Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. I don't know when you guys are listening, but welcome to the first episode of Rich Talks Game Podcast. This is going to be a weekly podcast where I pretty much talk games like the title says. Maybe I throw in some other things in between, but this will mostly be a gaming podcast. Um, I've been having this idea to do this for a while. You know, I've kind of been fighting with it. I've, I've tried to do it with other people, but our schedules didn't really permit for us to do it together. So finally, I decided to pull the plug and do this on my own. Um, hopefully, this will be something that I can sustain and continue. And, you know, it, it'll grow. You know, the, I have the intentions of, of this growing into something that can uh, have hopefully be bigger than I ever imagined. So with that said... I want to welcome you all once again to episode one of the Rich Talks Gaming Podcast. We have a couple of podcast topics today. Uh, we're going to be talking about some issues with the Microsoft leak that came out last week. Uh, my thoughts on Starfield. I know this game's a, a couple of weeks now, a couple of weeks old now, I should say, but you know, I've never had the ability to talk about it with you all, so I want to get into that a little bit. Um, also want to talk about the Cyberpunk 2.0 update, which is a day old as of the recording of this podcast. Um, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and some new information that came out from there. And then lastly, we'll just wrap it up with upcoming releases that I'm looking forward to uh, for the next week. Uh, with that said, let's get into our first topic here. Uh, turns out that a Microsoft employee somehow uploaded a bunch of confidential information into a public um, site for a courthouse, and that information has since leaked. Um, a lot of information was in there. Info about a new upcoming controller, the Xbox Series S and X refresher, and pretty much a roadmap for uh, Bethesda games. So I want to start out with the controller. Um, this is codenamed Sibyl, S-E-B-I-L-E, and it's a new controller on the way uh, for Microsoft. Now, this one is a two-tone controller uh, for those that aren't, you know, watching the video uh, top half of the controller is white with the bottom half being black. It did take away the uh, colored buttons. The X, Y, B, and A buttons are not colored. They're just regular black and white controllers. And this will have a, a lot of new features that I'm looking forward to. Uh, first and foremost, this will have a Play Anywhere um, model. Uh, it's a Xbox Wireless 2. I guess it's the technology that they're uh, referring it to. They're also referring to it as Direct to Cloud and will be using... Bluetooth 5.2. Um, it's also a seamless parent switch. Seems like it'll be integrated into the a new mobile app, and you'll have features to kind of see devices that are paired and, and cloud. Um, this will include haptic feedback. Uh, this is something that the PS5 controller currently has now. I'm not sure. I don't recall the Xbox controller having this at all, but haptic feedback will be in there, and haptics will also double as speakers. So it seems like there might be speakers inside the controller as well. Um, there are also going to be some quieter buttons and thumbsticks, so you won't really get that clickety-clickety sound that you normally get with Xbox controllers. Uh, and this will also feature an accelerometer, so I think that would be pretty cool for games such as like Microsoft Flight Simulator that's now on the Xbox, where you'll probably be able to use the controller to kind of, you know, take off and land, and maybe with wrestling games like Forza uh, Motorsports and Forza Horizon, I, I expect to see that fully integrated as well. Uh, for those that do want to use that capability. Uh, another interesting thing is a lift to wake feature. Uh, they're calling it engage and delight. So what I'm assuming is going to happen here is that that'll kind of work. Um, best way I can kind of describe it is when you think about the AirPods 
I don't know how Apple does this, but I have a pair of um, Apple AirPod Pros. And for any of you that do have it, with the AirPods, once you take them out your ears, they automatically stop playing. And once you put them back in your ears, they actually continue to play. So I'm assuming it'll be something like that where once you lift a controller and it senses that it's in somebody's hands and like off of a table or floor or something, it'll automatically turn on and sync. I think that's a, a pretty cool feature. Um, I don't know how much of a hit that would take on your battery because I would assume that the controller would at least have to always be on at some point for that to work. But I do think that is an interesting concept. Um, other things that they're looking to do is new modular thumbsticks. So I'm assuming you'll be able to pull them out and kind of replace them with whatever you want, improve longevity, uh, build improvements. Um, they're expecting to have the same ergonomics as the Merlin controller, which is the ones that we're using now. So I expect it to kind of still have that same feel. Uh, in my opinion, the Xbox controller is the best controller out there. I do like the technology in the PS5 controller a bit more. Uh, the speaker, the haptics. I, I am a big fan of the adaptive triggers on the PS5 controller. I know a lot of people don't really care for that, uh, but I do think it helps with the immersion if you're not playing like a competitive shooter. Um, and uh, another interesting here, another interesting detail here is that it says that there's an SE, LE, and XDL options uh, are expected as well. I'm not sure if that means there'll be different versions of the controller, so perhaps. Uh, we won't be seeing elite controllers anymore. Maybe there'll just be an XDL option of this controller, which will count as the elite controller. Um, and I think that's great. Uh, the leak also did mention uh, refreshers coming for the Xbox Series S and X uh, consoles. Um, well, let me scale back just a little bit here. Uh, according to the leak, uh, the Sibyl controller is expected to be announced in fourth quarter of 2024. Um, so we can expect that towards the end of, of next year. And also something to be announced around that time will be the mid-gen consoles, which is the Ellenwood and what they're calling Brooklyn, which will be announced simultaneously. This will be the refreshers for the new Xbox consoles set to come out um, 2025. So the Ellenwood looks like to be an upgrade of the Xbox Series S. It will have an integrated one terabyte and still be priced at $299. Uh, and this is looking to be released possibly around the end of August of 2025 from what it looks like. And the Brooklyn, which will be the Xbox Series X refresher, will have a base two terabytes in there and will still be retailing at the price of $499.99. Now, there isn't much more information provided about the Series S refresher, but there is a picture that leaked as, low, as well, I apologize, as well as some information about the new Xbox Series X refresher. Uh, first and foremost, the new console will have a completely new redesign. Uh, this is gonna be a, disc a discless console, which contributes and, and kind of goes into Microsoft uh, constantly talking about um, a new generation of gaming where discs, you know, are not going to be needed and pretty much all of us going all digital. Uh, it's also cylinder in shape. So for any of you that have seen what, you know, a lot of people refer to as a trash can Mac Pro, it looks very similar to that with the grate on top, same as the Xbox Series X, but more of a tube shape. Um, they're saying that the Brooklyn console will deliver 4K uh, Gen 9 con uh, ga console gaming, internal storage, faster Wi-Fi, reduced power, 
a more immersive controller, which is more than likely the Seville controller that we're talking about, uh, and a beautiful redesign that elevates all the digital experience of Xbox ecosystems. Um, they're saying that the PSU uh, will reduce power by 15%. A new standby mode, uh, which is about 20% of the current Xbox Series S standby mode, and increased use of housing of up to 30% um, and 100% recyclable packaging. Um, I don't know. I really don't know how I feel about this. Um, it just seems like the same Xbox, but just kind of redesigned with, you know, some features. I don't think this is going to be something for anybody that already has an Xbox Series X to upgrade. It might be something for those of you that purchased the Series S during the outages and you kind of just like, you know, I'm going to bite the bullet and, and just buy this one. Uh, that might be a good time to kind of purchase or upgrade to a Series X if that's what you wanted to do. Um, one thing I do like is that there will be a USB-C uh, front port with also power delivery. I don't know if that'll be used, um, if that can be used, I should say, as a way to plug in an external hard drive considering you get that faster data transfer and as a way to also increase your hard drive data. Um, but I am looking forward to getting a bit more information for that, but I don't think that'll be something for everybody. Uh, probably be something more so for people that currently have a Series S that want to upgrade to a more powerful console or people that don't have an Xbox um, at all. But I don't think this is something that people with the Series X would currently want to upgrade to. Uh, continuing, uh, one of the biggest leaks of information or one of the ones I found a bit more interesting was the ZeniMax management forecast, which those of you know is the company in which Microsoft bought uh, last year or a year or two ago, I forgot exactly when, for a, a little over $7 billion, I believe, that also owned Bethesda Games. So over here, we're seeing pretty much a tighter release schedule uh, that started from fiscal year uh, 2020 all the way to fiscal year 2024. Uh, obviously, with COVID, a lot has changed since. Um, some information has been, some of the games have been pushed back. Uh, some have released. Um, but what I'm seeing here is the Indiana Jones game that we all have heard of already at this point uh, set to come out. Uh, well, not set to come out, but Todd has told us that we'd probably get some more information on that uh, next year. Uh, there is also an Oblivion remaster planned. Um, Starfield DLC, which we all knew of as well. Now, the Starfield DLC was scheduled for fiscal year 2020. I'm sorry, fiscal year 2022, while the original release schedule for Starfield, the game, was fiscal year 21. So it appears that, you know, we can't expect that Starfield DLC next year if everything still goes according to plan as the original um, idea was to have that DLC sent out next year. Um, there's also a new Doom schedule to come out called Doom Year Zero along with some DLC. Um, expansion for Elder Scrolls Online as well. Um, there's also mention of new licensed IPs and a, dose, and a Ghostwire Tokyo. Now, I don't think that Ghostwire Tokyo sequel will be something that we will be seeing. Um, that game didn't really perform probably as high as to their expectations. Keep in mind, a lot of these documents go back to as far as 2020. So this was a completely different Xbox with a different scope. Uh, this might have even been pre-COVID. So a lot of things have unchanged since. Um, there is a Fallout 76 expansion maybe it's their, their project they're titling it here as fallout worlds um and a doom eternal dlc um lastly one thing i am excited for that i do see here is dishonored 3 
Uh, I did love a lot of the Dishonored games. Uh, I played the first one, beat it. Played most of the second one, but didn't get a chance to beat it, but was a huge, huge fan of it. Uh, and Dishonored 3 is something that I am looking forward to. Um, and that pretty much kind of wraps it up with all the Xbox stuff. Um, but speaking on Xbox and being on that subject, Starfield did come out a few weeks ago to, um, I'd like to say, um, I wouldn't say rave reviews. They didn't get a bunch of 10s, um, probably mostly 8s and 9s, uh, which I agree with. I, I do think it was, or it is a great game, I should say. Um, lots of systems in the game. Uh, I do enjoy the dogfighting in space. Uh, there's a lot of crafting, weapon modding. Um, there is the ability to build your own spaceships. Um, the game, they, they really put a lot of thought into it. Um, when Bethesda says that they've been working on it for the past 20 years, I kind of took that as like a PR stunt and was like, ah, oh, this is BS. But you can see that they really did think about a lot of the systems that they're incorporating as they really go into depth um, a lot. Um, the game also has an obscene amount of like side missions and activities as the game calls them. Um, they kind of just pop up, to be honest with you. You'll be walking around on a planet. Uh, this happened to me a lot on the planet Neon, which is a very dense area, a lot of NPCs around. And um, I was just walking around and things just started popping up. Uh, and it can get very overwhelming quickly. Um, I think I have about 30 to 40 hours of the game in my first 15 hours of gameplay was strictly just side quests and, and activities that popped up as I was walking around the mask, uh, uh, the planets, I should say. Um, one of the ones that I kind of deep dived into was the Ryujin um, side missions where um, it's pretty much a company on the planet of Neon where you put in the application, you get a job, and they start sending you out to do tasks. And these tasks get you know harder and harder as you progress uh, through them. And then ultimately, once you finish completing the last one, you actually get a promotion, an office, and the ability to continue doing tasks for them. Uh, I really enjoyed that that you know storyline um, in the game, and and it was just pretty cool. It, it was pretty cool. Now, um, the thing is, this is a Bethesda game. You know, it it feels like a Bethesda game. It looks like a Bethesda game. It plays like a Bethesda game. Um, I've played Fallout 4, I've played Fallout 76, um, I've played a couple of other uh, Bethesda games, and, you know, it, it just feels like more of that. Um, this doesn't feel like, a, although it is a new IP, it, to me it feels like Fallout in space. You know, that's the, that's the best way that I can describe it. And I'm not saying that that's something bad, you know, it's, it's, it's not bad at all. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, the graphics are... Refreshing, you know, I wasn't expecting the game to look as good as it did. Um, I think a lot of us, unfortunately, have this thing with Bethesda games where we kind of expect them to be buggy or kind of expect them to look a certain way since that's all we've kind of been getting for over a decade now. But they've really put time into the game. The, the graphic system, although looks the same, but you can tell that it's, it's extremely polished. The graphics are more up to date. It does look better. Um, at the beginning of the game, there's like a mining sequence uh, where you're like at your job. Um, and as you're walking through that cave and like you're mining materials, it just looks really, really beautiful. Uh, the game looks great as well. Um, I actually got a chance to, um, I actually was playing a game on my PC 
Um, I have a, a 4070 Ti, uh, and you know, pretty decent rig. It's it's not a basic rig. Um, I will say though that my FPS weren't as high as I was expecting. Uh, I thought that I'd be getting at least 60 frames in highly populated and dense areas. Uh, in places like New Jemison in and in, uh, the Alpha Centauri star system, sometimes my frames drop down to, to the 40s. Um, Starfield does not have DLSSS. Uh, I think that has, you know, a lot to do with the deal that they um, have with AMD. Um, and, you know, that sucks. There are mods out there to, to kind of add DLSSS. Um, I didn't do them, to be honest with you. I kind of just played the game as is. I turned down the graphics a bit. Uh, for the most part, I was able to at least hit 60 frames uh, when out doing missions, out in space and stuff like that. But when I did go to planets that were heavily populated or dense and very wide with a, a, a far field of view, those frames did drop severely. Um, I didn't experience a neon, but once again, neon, that planet there, when you kind of get into the inner city, is a bit more uh, compact. You know, it isn't as wide or as broad. doesn't have as much foliage as um, New Jemison um, out in the Alpha Centauri. So it was great. Um, the gunfighting in the game is really nice. Uh, once again, you know, playing on PC, mouse and keyboard, you kind of had that accuracy. It was very, very snappy, very cool. Um, so I really enjoyed it. You know, it was it was great. Uh, the the, the gunfighting was... was is a major part of the game, and, and I really liked it. Um, and the loot. There is so much loot in this game. And this is one of the things that I do hope that they change in a future DLC. I'm sorry, not DLC, but a future update. But that encumberment system, um, I get it. You know, this is something part of all RPGs, and, you know, your weight kind of affects your speed and stuff. But there is so much loot in Starfield. And one of the big um, aspects of the game is kind of mining and finding resources in order to be able to, like, craft and modify weapons and, and kind of create stuff. I just feel like the encumberment is just, it really doesn't make me want to go out there and kind of just, like, loot stuff. Uh, it's very easy to go to a, a planet, walk around, and get encumbered or, or go into, like, a, a spaceship or, um, you know, something out in space and then kind of like dock and enter, grab some stuff and feel encumbered. Um, the game does allow you to kind of transfer stuff when you get out of like an enclosed area. So like if I'm not inside of like a building or something in the city, it does allow you to quickly transfer stuff from you to the plane, to your ship. But your ship also does have storage space. So that can easily be um, a bit that can easily get full pretty quick as well, uh, which is something I don't like. I, I, I wish that they would kind of probably pick up something more like The Witcher, uh, where The Witcher system is that, you know, your weight is only affected by stuff that you have equipped and not stuff on your inventory. So while I do understand that, like, all right, well, you know, if I have this heavy-ass shotgun or, like, this heavy-ass suit, it will affect my weight. But if I'm out collecting resources and picking up a bunch of, like, iron and aluminum and, and stuff like that, in order to craft something, I really don't want that to affect um, my weight system. It just, you know, it's not something I'm, I'm a fan of, of at all. Um, I also don't like the UI for the inventory. I'll be 100% honest with you all and tell you that I did mod uh, a new inventory system called Star UI. It is way, way, way better 
than the stock inventory system that comes with the game. Um, you can actually see all the information for the stuff that you have in your inventory. Uh, so when you go into the main inventory page where everything is kind of like broke down by like weapons and resources and stuff, it will actually show you um, how much items you have and the weight of that category. So let's say like weapons, you know, six with a total weight of 29. And you can kind of easily figure out just looking from there, you know, what you might have to drop or where you might need to go into and kind of get rid of some stuff. Um, another thing I like is when you actually go into the sub menu. So if I go into the inventory and go into my weapons menu, it will actually fully scale out and show a list of my weapons. But not only that, it'll show DPS, weight, um, if they have any type of effects, what those effects are. Um, it'll just kind of have all that information and sortable tables that you can also edit. You know, I can click on a button and kind of add columns to that or remove columns to that. And I think that would be a great thing for Bethesda to incorporate uh, on their own, either through a patch or something. But, you know, the mod um, does make that a, a bit, um, makes that inventory system way, way, way better to go through. Um, last thing I want to mention on this game, um, vehicles. We need vehicles. Maybe like a little rover, a scooter. I don't know what they're going to do to add, but the game does not... I don't want to explore planets. It's not because there isn't anything to do on the planets. I mean, the planets do feel a bit desolate. They do feel a bit empty sometimes, but just though having to walk and walk everywhere and then combine that with being over-encumbered all the time, uh, you can bring companions with you and kind of throw stuff to them, but... You know, they can get over encumbered too, I believe. Uh, I kind of kind of soloed it uh, for the most part. But a vehicle would be nice, you know. Give, considering that we can build um, ships and customize them, give us the option to kind of build a ship with like a cargo hold for a vehicle where we can kind of like put a vehicle in there and get on it and, you know, travel around the planets on the vehicles and kind of store stuff in there and, you know, kind of drive it back so we can get around the planets a bit more quickly and, and efficiently. You know, you can walk around the planets forever. And considering um, a lot of the stuff is just kind of like added, I believe the planets are procedurally generated as far as like the stuff that's on there. Uh, so there are times where like you'll walk and new things will pop up and you'll want to explore them. Sometimes it might be a, a lab or it might be, you know, a cave or something. You kind of want to go through those things, but the encumberment system and the amount of time that it takes you to walk through it's just very, very annoying, um, and it's just something that I hope, you know, that they, they kind of fix with a future patch, either by adding um, DLC or not DLC, well, maybe DLC for vehicles or updating a patch with vehicles in there or something. I don't know, you know, what they can do, but I feel like that's something that needs to be focused and worked on, um, and, you know, that's pretty much it. You know, I, I haven't beaten the game yet. Um, this will probably be a game that I come back to throughout the year just because there's so much to do so many systems uh i, I want to dive a bit more into shipbuilding. uh i want to dive a bit more into um crafting and modding stuff you know i, I do i did pay off the mortgage on my home so i want to get into kind of building out my home and getting furniture but all that stuff requires kind of resources for you to craft like a chair or a cooking station and stuff and you know that encumberment system really doesn't make you want to go out and try to kind of loot all these things so you can make these things. But um, 
it's a it's a good game to me. I'm I'm, I'm giving it maybe about like so far, you know, because I, I have yet to beat the game. But you know, out of forty hours of, of forty to fifty hours of gameplay, um, I'd say you know the game's probably like a good seven point five or eight. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, it can probably easily bump up to like an eight point five to a nine if they make some of those changes to kind of make all the aspects of the game a bit more enjoyable to uh, play. Um, next thing I want to discuss. Um, Cyberpunk 27 2.0. Uh, this was recently released yesterday, uh, September 21st. Uh, big patch free to all, uh, to anybody that owns Cyberpunk, uh, except for anybody that owned the console on last gen. So unfortunately, PS4 and Xbox One players are not getting this patch. But if you own a PS5, Xbox Series S or X or PC, um, this was a completely free patch. I think in on my PS5, the patch came out to about 18 gigabytes. And it has pretty much overhauled the game to something that I feel like Cyberpunk should have been when it first came out. I truly believe that this was the original vision for CD Projekt Red. Um, unfortunately, you know, it didn't hold up three years ago when the game came out. But this is fantastic. Uh, first thing uh, that I want to discuss is the updated police AI. So one of the things I noticed, and a lot of people notice, when you started, when you played the game when it originally came out, cops just tended to appear out of thin air. Um, you would commit a crime, and they would just pop up out of nowhere and just kind of start shooting at you. And the AI wasn't uh, all that great either. Um, now, cops will actually drive up to the scene. Uh, not only that, but they did also include what everybody's pretty much calling the GTA star system. So when you commit a crime or you do something in front of a police officer, um, you get one star and that increases from, you know, from one to two to three to four, all the way to five. And once you get to a five star, that's when Miltech kind of, they come flying in. And although I haven't gotten a five star rating yet, from what I've seen, these guys are like impossible to beat. So that is a, a great feature. Uh, another thing that's also been added uh, to the game that kind of ties in with the police AI is um, shooting from vehicles. Um, if you're trying to outrun police, they will shoot at you from their cars. You can shoot back. Uh, there's also vehicles that have mounted weapons on them. Uh, so you can, you know, encounter police that have like um, mounted rifles on their gun, like turrets on, on their vehicles. I've seen cars that shoot missiles. But you can also even mod your vehicles to kind of have mounted weapons on them too, uh, which I think is great. It is awesome being able to shoot from vehicles, being able to mount weapons onto your vehicles um, is awesome. I think that that is a, a great addition to, to the game. There is also a new armor system. So prior to update 2.0, armor was pretty much tied to your clothing. Um, that's why, you know, you'd see people with just like the most horrible outfits during the game because... You know, maybe this shirt had uh, the best, you know, armor on it compared to these pants or whatever. Now, um, armor is more so tied into your cyberware. So when you equip cyberware, you'll see two pieces of information. You'll see a yellow number and a blue number. The yellow number has to deal with your cyberware points because it appears that um, you pretty much can max your cyberware up to a certain point. Um, but there's also an armor slot. And... You know, you might get a piece of cyberware that has 25 armor, and that'll add an additional 25 points of armor. And you can now upgrade these cyberwares where it'll also increase your armor as well. Uh, they've also made cyberware way more affordable than, than what it was prior. So, you know, you can kind of delve into that system a bit more and play around 
and not have to worry about you know dishing out like five, ten, six thousand eddies on a single piece. Now, legendary cyberware is still a bit expensive, but that makes sense. You know, that's supposed to be the best of the best in the game, so it, it should cost you know a bit more than than everything else. You should have to work towards uh, gaining that stuff. Uh, there's also been a change in stamina. So prior to 2.0, stamina depleted as you kind of like ran and jumped. Uh, that is no longer the case, which once again makes sense to me. You know, this is the future we have. We're integrated with tech. So simple things as like running and stuff shouldn't really wear us out anymore. However, that's tied now to shooting and dashing and dodging. You can now kind of like dash and dodge um, past enemies by tapping, well, on the PlayStation by tapping the circle button and like left or right stick or back or forward and shooting. So the way that stamina affects your shooting now is as you shoot, you'll see your stamina bar decrease. And as that decreases, things like bullet spread will be increased and gun sway will increase as well, which is a very interesting change, but it's a change that I do like. Um, it kind of prevents you from just kind of going, just, you know, going, tapping, shooting, shooting, shooting and crazy and kind of forces you to kind of line up your shots and work on building up skills if you're going to be somebody that shoots a lot versus like, you know, somebody that kind of stealths or, or deals with like a sword to kind of work on building up the, the skills tree in order to be able to kind of keep your stamina up when using that system. Um, and speaking of the skill tree, the perk system has been completely rebuilt. Um, you can actually build something and kind of work towards a, a specific build. So for example, uh, let's say you wanted to work on a, um, a tanky build. You can kind of increase and throw all your points into your body. And there's a skill tree set for body that will do things like, you know, increase your your health regen or increase your um, your health overall. And there's different tiers in that skill tree as well. So, like, you'll have tier one skills where your body has to be at least at, like, a five. And then tier two skills where your body has to be at least at a ten. And that will continue and continue. And you can kind of, you know, build, you know, your, your, your character as you want it to be and kind of have specific skill sets for that character as well. Uh, the great thing is for those of you that may not want to start a whole new game, when you do install update 2.0, all your uh, perk points are just given right back to you. Um, and they'll give you a message in the morning saying that, you know, we've overhauled the system so much that we've refunded all the perks. And it also does give you one free reset where you can kind of just reset everything and start to build from fresh. Um, I do, I would recommend, you know, if you're going to jump back into the game now, there is still a week before the Phantom Liberty update to just go ahead and start the game over. I think the changes and the systems are so significant that, you know, you should play the game over and kind of start it over. Um, for the people that are playing on PC with a NVIDIA 3 Series card or higher, um, the new DLSS 3.5 as well as the Overdrive RT system looks phenomenal. Um, I can say that this is probably the best-looking game I've seen out there um, in a while. Some of the screenshots that I've seen are amazing. Um, I wish... I had the game on PC instead of PC, uh, PS5 just because of that, but I kind of don't want to dish out what it'd be around $100 to get the game and the DLC at this point. But it looks amazing. At some point when the game does drop down in price on Steam, I may repurchase it on PC just to kind of experience that on my own. Um, but, you know, kudos to CD Projekt Red. 
most um, companies would probably have let the game die out and probably just incorporated, you know, all of these updates and new features um, at a charge for like, you know, Cyberpunk 2 or, you know, a different game. Um, them kind of working and working on that game for the past three years and kind of getting into the state that it is in now um, is amazing. Um, but, you know, CD Projekt Red has also always been, to me, a company that, that's for the gamers. Um, you can tell, you know, with all the content that they provided on The Witcher 3 and some of the other stuff that they've done that, you know, they are passionate about what they do and they really do care about the gamers. It's just a shame that, you know, the game launched the way that it is, that it did. But to see that, you know, they've worked so hard over the past three years to kind of give us what we have now, you know, kudos to them. And I hope a lot more gaming companies, you know, and studios kind of look at that and, um, you know, kind of pay attention to that in, in the future. So kudos to them. Um, I want to move on to Final Fantasy VII Rebirth now. Now, we finally got an official launch date for them. Uh, it is expected to release on February 29th for PS5 only. Now, um, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is actually going to be a huge, huge game. Uh, for those of you buying physical copies, you're looking at two discs, and the game will be a 150 gigabyte install. That is 150. Uh, so why two discs? Now, there is an article I did read from Game Informer, and I just want to uh, read a little excerpt of, about the two discs. And it says, Rebirth is so big that Square is splitting in between two discs. Hamaguchi states that the game is 150 gigabytes with 100 on one disc and 50 on the other. However, you won't be swapping discs like fans did with the original. Due to the PS5 architecture, players will first install the entire game by inserting both discs. After that, only one of them will be needed to play the full game. Now, for those of you that have played Cyberpunk that we just recently talked about, it's pretty much the same system uh, of installation that, you know, Cyberpunk did. Uh, the article continues to say, Hamaguchi explains the decision to split Rebirth is in this way had less to do with rekindling nostalgia and more as a method to preserve the team's lofty vision for it. Square had always envisioned Rebirth as a massive, highly detailed war more immersive than remakes revamped Midgar. Thus, squeezing it on a single Blu-ray would have focused the designers to scale back on content and ideas so doubling up on this became the obvious solution. Um, I am excited for this game. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I've never played the original Final Fantasy VII on PlayStation. My first introduction to it was on the remake that came out a few years back. I know some people who are Final Fantasy purists were not kind of happy with the changes that they made. Uh, me, I am not a huge fan of turn-based RPGs. So like the, the live action format that they kind of uh, incorporated in it was great i haven't played the game in a while but i do believe that there's a way to switch between both battle systems if, if, if i'm correct i might be wrong so if i am wrong about that i do apologize but i am extremely looking forward to this game i will be playing replaying the final fantasy remake uh, probably over the winter break when we get closer to release date i haven't played the integrated expansion that was added so i'm looking forward to that as well uh now as far as the story um, they're saying that the story will run up to the end of the Forgotten Capital, a.k.a. the City of Ancients, and Rebirth will not follow the events in the same order as the original game. So for those of you that had made, that might have played the original game, if that you know ending of Remake does not make sense, don't worry. It seems like they've changed some stuff over from the original game, so it won't follow that, that same format. 
Um, they also did announce that there is no shared progression. Uh, gear material from Final Fantasy VII from Final Fantasy VII Remake won't cross over. Um, but you know, if you did play the original, and I'm assuming you would need a save file um, on your console in order for that to be you know confirmed, uh, you will be awarded with some unknown summon material. Um, Square Enix is is kind of doing it big with with, with Final Fantasy VII. Uh, rebirth from what i can see uh, a lot of um reactions to gameplay and impressions have have come out recently um afro senju has put out something um i believe that um kind of funny games also has a video up where they're discussing you know some of the gameplay mechanics and their experience in playing a demo that was revealed to them um tokyo game show i believe is, is this week as well so we should be getting more and more information about the game uh, in the upcoming weeks, but I'm really excited for this and I'm looking forward to the release. Uh, and with that said, um, I just kind of want to wrap it up with two games that I'm looking forward towards um, for next week. Uh, we have the Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty expansion coming out on PS5, Xbox Series X and S, and PC. Um, I believe that is being retailed at the price of $29.99. And for those of you who are soccer fans, EA Sports FC 24, which is now the new name for FIFA as they've lost the license for that name, will be coming out on PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series XS, Xbox One, and Switch, pretty much everything uh, next week as well. Um, so that is the end of episode one of Rich Talk Games. I appreciate you all. Um, I thank you all for listening. And until next week, you all have yourselves a great one.